on 1010. Before we start tonight, would you bow with us? Lord, we're desperate as we come before you. We need this. Pray you'd open our hearts to receive instructions, God, in our minds. Whatever in the flesh, God, limits us from grabbing the truth of your word. God, I pray that you'd remove it from us, that we might fully perceive and receive both your truth. Change us with it. Lord, may the truths of it set a path for our hearts and we apply ourselves as we see you in these things. Help us recognize our enemy to see what he does and what he's doing ultimately what we can do as well. Thank you for your provision in all of this, your protection for the unction of the Holy Spirit. Pray for your blessing. Ask it upon it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John 10.10, 10, anybody want to quote it? The thief cometh not, but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life, and may have it more abundantly. Amen. This is one of those verses we need to commit to memory. Things cometh not but for to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. <coughs> uh, that is a verse that will help you. If you'll remember it, tell it to yourself. Uh, a lot of people put some on sticky notes and just put some around to where they can see them often. If you do that enough, you'll begin to commit to memory some of those verses that you need. Uh, I'll give you a challenge again. If you just made up your mind to commit one verse a week, by the end of the year, you would have 52 verses committed to memory. Imagine what a treasure that is. If that's actually the sword we were to yield against our, our adversary, Think of how advantageous it is for you to have a quiver full of those arrows. Discipline is something that you just have to make a choice in and to do it. Uh, before we start, anybody want to, anybody have a thought on your heart, something you need to share before we begin? I just want to thank everybody for the prayers for my friend Monday night. Okay. You know, church gave very good signs. He's, he's starting to come around. And if anybody does fair work, then they go see this boy because it's really working. Amen. One else? <coughs> Thought I wanted to give God thanks. Uh, Dad went to the, to the doctor today to have a biopsy run on his cancer, and it is cancer. And uh, but the good news is, it's not the aggressive type. It's, it's and the doctor seems. Thank you, Lord. Very confident that they'll be able to take care of it pretty quickly. So, Amen. So I thank God tonight. Amen. Amen. I've been praying about that this week. Amen. Someone else? Thank God I'm saved. Me <laughs> too. Me too. Another. Brother Tommy, I'll tell you, this past couple of times, I've talked to some other folks earlier, I found myself saying, Lord, please, several. Being a Christian, a minister, 
a new Lucifer, Satan, the accuser, whatever you want to call him. I knew he was sneaky. I knew he was very good at what he does. I know he's powerful. I have said and stayed on our questions. You asked us opening up last, last night if we knew a serial killer. And as you brought that lesson down, it reminds me just how much I overlook him mm-hmm. and run around with him. Not willing, not desiring my heart to do that, but still yet how much I miss the mark. Yeah. And when you find that church, you can realize just how good God's love is. That's right. That's right. And how important, how expedient mm-hmm. it is to stay here at the cross. Definitely, he will depower you. He'll spit you out. He'll kick you while you're down. Yeah. And leave you hanging high and dry. Yeah. But I thank God for this lesson we've been in this week. I approach spiritually a lot. I thank God for that. But thank you, Brother Tommy, for being on me. And I'm glad to use you. Um, those comments made me think of a scripture, and, and I just realized it's not even in um, Somebody look it up for me. I, I believe the portion of scripture I'm looking for said neither give place to the devil. Let's see if that's right. Somebody find that scripture. Neither give place to the devil. And that's either stuck in my mind as an error or that's in the Bible. I can't think of where it's at. All right. Nobody find it? Still looking. Still looking. Hope I didn't dream that one up. That's why you look, though. Yeah. Succeed. 
student. Um, I'm going to go back now to, I hit it just briefly last night, and as I was looking over uh, the next couple of days, I think, I think we're going to have plenty of time to finish. Uh, famous last words there, but I think we'll be all right. So I'm going to go backwards now on something that I skipped over pretty, pretty quick yesterday. Um, in the book of Job, you remember that Satan came before God. And uh, that always puzzled me why God would allow him in his presence. Uh, and I'm not positive, right? I, there's some I don't knows in, in my vocabulary. I'm not certain to why Satan had the right then. I'm also not positive that he has the right today. Uh, I don't know that that has not changed since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, I could see it either way. I read a scripture in Revelation 12 that says that uh, it, it tells them to rejoice for the accuser is the accuser of the saints has been cast to earth who once stood and accused the saints day and night. Uh, you might look at that one and say, well, that means that the accuser still goes before God and he is still accusing the children of God. And that's what he did concerning Job. So I don't know exactly how that goes, but, but here's what we do know. We do know that in the book of Job, it records that Satan went before God, and the Lord asked him a question. He said, have you considered my servant Job that there's none like him on the earth? And he said, sure. He said, but you've got a hedge about Job to where nobody can get to it. He said, you you take that hedge down. You let me take everything that you've given Job. And he said, Job will curse you to your face. And and, and, and I went into some of that in detail. But what I want to touch on now, though, is that if, if the enemy's primary function is to tempt and subtly beguile us, to cause us from the lust of our own flesh to be enticed and then sin against God, if that's his ultimate purpose for you and I, steal, kill, destroy. And if he still goes and in the presence of God accuses the saints, what is he saying about me? Um, I, was, I was studying that a little more deeply today and as I, I thought about it, uh, it, it ought to be very... It, it ought to be something that we do instead of him. Uh, instead of the enemy going before God and accusing and condemning me for my unrighteous ways, I ought to be the one that runs to God and accuses myself and condemns myself for my unrighteous ways and get right with it. And that makes it real easy, right? Because once we've been forgiven... According to the word of God, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins once we've confessed them. He can forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And that makes the devil's attempts to accuse me before God useless. You cannot accuse somebody of something they've been freed from. And if we would go to God first, right, that's our problem, isn't it? We like to hold on to sin. We like to sweep it under the rug. We like to we like to take those things that we are rightfully accused of, and certainly, uh, other than Christ, would be condemned for. What we ought to do is rush to God when we sin. We ought to accuse ourselves. 
He said it like this in Corinthians. He said, judge yourself that you be not judged. See, when you judge yourself and when you're honest about your own sin and you go to God with it, there's an advocate. Yes, amen. There's one that, that takes my case. Yeah. Every time that I go to the judge, there's one that will take my case. He will plead before God a simple, a simple bargain. This one's covered by my yeah, blood. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And when we confess our sins, then God has every right to forgive us of our sins. How come? Because Jesus paid for that. Right. It's when we hold on to that stuff that our life gets all fouled up. And when everything begins to go wrong, because here's what you can be certain of, your sin. We'll find you out. There are consequences to living in error. There are consequences to doing it your way. Right? Uh, God never said you couldn't do it your way. Right? Remember, He created you with the ability to go either direction. Right? You, you can be good or you can be bad. Uh, and for some of us today, we we struggle at just quickly judging ourselves. And allowing the Spirit of God to rush us in before the judge, before the accuser ever has a, a chance to mount his case against us. Because once we've been forgiven, there is no case to be heard. Right? The judge has no court that's open to the devil. But when you mess around with it and you hold that sin captive in your heart, you're going to... I'm thinking that according to what he did with Job, he's probably doing with us. Accusing and condemning us. Look, look, look at what they're doing. Right? I thought, I thought that was one of yours. What right has he to go to heaven? Look how he's talking. Look how he's acting. Look what he's watching. No, if we would accuse ourselves and take our case before the advocate, Complete our case and you can leave forgiven. That takes away every opportunity the accuser had to ever stand before God against you. I don't know if all that changed or not, so maybe that's mere speculation. Well, the council itself is, is solid. That's doctrinal. But whether or not he goes before God, I'm not positive because we don't have a New Testament reference that speaks specifically about it. So maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I can see in my mind, I tried to I tried to flesh this out, but I didn't have any Bible to do it with. So it's it's merely speculation at this point, but I can see at the resurrection of Jesus Christ having paid the debt for all that Satan lost his teeth. Mm-hmm. Right? He could go and roar and bark and snap all he wanted to before Jesus shed his blood. But when he shed his blood and then carried it unto God himself and offered it up as an atonement for me, I'd say that pulled some whiskers right there. So I could see it that way too. That he probably don't bark a whole lot anymore because it's always the blood. It's always the blood and he walks away with that same thing every time. So that was free. That didn't cost you anything. I just thought I'd share that. We do need to get right with God, though. Don't hold sin. Don't keep that stuff live in your heart and 
and active in your life. It'll separate you. It'll separate you in, with the fellowship of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, if there's anything that we need, we need fellowship with God yeah. and the Holy Spirit of God <clears throat> constantly, day after day. We need <clears throat> so get sin and deal with it in your heart. All right. Let's look now at, uh, we're going to continue in looking at what the devil does and, and what he has done. And I want to make a statement here and then share several scriptures with you. He is the ruler of the demonic of this world. Now, we've already spoken to that and shared scriptures about the evil spirits which serve Satan. Now, I don't know their numbers I have no idea of what those numbers would be if it's in millions or more, right? I have no, we don't really have any biblical concept or, or direction to direct or to say either way. But I've got to believe that it's a lot. That when God created angels, it was a lot of them. And uh, I don't know exactly if it's a one-to-one ratio, but I heard uh, just last month, I believe it is, that the uh, new population of planet Earth is now 8 billion people. And uh, they're expecting it to go to 9 billion people within the next three years and then possibly decline after that. Who knows? And that's all given God don't come back first. The Lord don't come back first. But when you think about that, and if we truly entertain angels unaware... And if there truly is angelic support, and uh, I, I don't preach angels. They're in the Bible. You can read about them, and you can see what their purpose and their function are. They're not to be worshipped, number one, because they're not God. They're not they're deity. Not. Uh, they're not God. And even the angel that came to Daniel told him, said, get up, I'm just, uh, I'm not God. You know, he said, you need to worship me. And when it comes to angels... Let's just say it is one for one. For every angel that was created, you know, there's a potential of maybe one human, or maybe it's half, who knows. But let's just say there's a bunch of them. The enemy, our foe, has absolute control over all of them. All of the demonic angels, all of those that serve Satan, were cast down to earth with him. And what we find is that they tend to inhabit people. They can inhabit things from what we see in Scripture. Now, I think it's a bit of a, a, a gray area for us because we don't have hard and fast rules about it. But I do believe that the spirits have to inhabit something. Um, they, they can be disembodied, and we find that in the Scripture that I'm fixing to read. Uh, but they quickly go to another body, which I think is interesting. You say, well, good gracious, what are you talking about? We're talking about, are you, are you saying that people can be possessed by demons? Yes. <laughs> right? Read your Bible. There's several circumstances where we find that very truth shared with us quite explicitly. So let's look at that and then see how that applies to us. Luke chapter number 8, verse 27. He went forth to land. There met him. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city of Bethlehem, which had devils a long time. 
This is Luke chapter number 8, verse number 27. There made him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, now he's speaking about the man now in singular, though he just referenced the devils that inhabited him in plural. Okay, meaning that's a simple statement of fact that you can be possessed by more than one devil. And for this man's circumstance, it was a lot of When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands, and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. Now note that that the devils knew who Jesus was. Now he had not ever been, Jesus had not ever personally been to the land of the Gadarenes. And we find that this is his first visit to the land. And this is the same one where he says to his disciples, let us go unto the other side. Right? So he was on a mission and I believe he was specifically going for legion. Right. He needed the men that followed him to understand this truth. Number one, that men were possessed of devils, but God had power over them. And when he steps on the shore, Legion falls down and, and begins to acknowledge that they know who he is. He hadn't introduced himself, right? He had, there wasn't anybody saying, hey, this is Jesus, and give him an ear. As soon as Jesus stepped on the land, Legion saw him, knew him. Now, it wasn't the man himself that was possessed, but it was the devils that possessed him. They knew who he was, and the first thing they did was acknowledge, we know who you are. Jesus, Son of God. (coughs) And they were fearful because they thought he had come to torment them before their time. Now, another indication that all of the devils of the enemy's army know what's coming. They all understand like the devil understands what the Word of God says and what God ultimately will do. And they confess before him, we know who you are. Have you come to torment us before our time? In one of the other Gospels, they say, have you come to cast us into the abyss before our time? Now, Jesus commanded that the unclean spirits come out of the man. And uh, when, uh, when they had asked him, have you come to cast us into the abyss? They begged him to allow them to go into a herd of swine. Now, one of the apostles uh, quoted at least for us the number of swine. There were 2,000 of them. That's a lot of pigs. But they asked to be turned loose into the pigs. Now, 
Was there 2,000 devils that went into each one of those 2,000 pigs? I don't know. Or was it was it 100 devils that went into 100 pigs, but all 2,000 of them violently ran off the cliff and drowned in the sea? I don't know exactly, but I know this. What does it say? Well, I'm just curious. So when they said, you know, don't torment us before our time, so do you think that they recognized it wasn't time because they also know the prophecies and the prophecies had to be fulfilled? Yeah. Ain't that, ain't that awesome? They know more about the Bible than we do. Uh, they knew when he came that it's not time for you to, to do this yet. Um, so we, we find that, and, and I'm not positive it's a, it's a concept, and somebody help me if you have more information, but, but we find at least that the devils had to possess something. And when they were fixing to be cast out, they asked to be put into something else. Now, I'm not certain that that is a is that a, that is a hard and a fast rule as pertains to angelic beings. But it's worth noting that the references we have concerning the angelic beings, at least in the New Testament, always possess someone they're possessing someone and other than uh, the angelic beings like Michael and Gabriel that are spoken of in the Old Testament scriptures who didn't embody any kind of that they didn't possess someone so it makes you wonder if, and if, if those that serve God don't have to have a bodily form, but those that were cast to the earth have to possess a body. And I'm saying I don't know, but I'm saying that what we read in the scripture is they're possessing a body. Multiple times we read that they were in a body. So that's worth at least noting. New Testament scripture tells us clearly that angelic demons will possess humans. They will enter into them and will control them. All right, let's read about a few more. That was Legion. We also know from um, Mark chapter 16, verse number 9, we read about that lady, that famous lady of Scripture who met the Lord after his resurrection, had gone to his tomb to anoint his body. Uh, one, I believe, that had anointed him, I think the same Mary that maybe had washed his feet with her tears and dried them with the hairs of her head. But Mark 16, verse 9 says, Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom... He had cast seven devils. So there's another clear reference that more than one devil can inhabit a human body at one time. Note Luke chapter 22 as we read about another famous disciple. Luke 22 verse 3 and 4 then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot. 
being of the number of the twelve, and he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. Alright? Clearly, the scripture is saying that a person can be possessed by a devil or basically a servant of the devil, a demonic spirit can dwell in a human. Right? That's clear, right? We all acknowledge that scripture clearly shows demon possession during New Testament times. Now, you say, well, maybe after the resurrection of Christ they quit that. No, the Apostle Paul ran into it multiple times, right? Remember the girl that kept following him around and saying, Jesus, thou uh, most high son of God, we adjure thee, and all that. And, and then finally he just cast the devil out of it. Remember? So what we, what we take away from this is that demonic spirits dwell in human bodies. Now, Again, I didn't say that was 100% of the time. I don't know that we have clear direction on everything. We also know they can exist without a human body because when one goes from here and is cast out, well, when they're cast out, they're bodiless. Well, when they're bodiless, what power do they have? I'm not certain of that either. But the point being is that they can possess a human body. Now, to that end... What wreckage occurs when a demon possesses a human? Well, it was quite violent, we find out. With Legion, the poor man, they couldn't even keep him in fetters or chains. Having so many devils in him made him supernaturally strong to where he could break chains, right? Anybody know people that can break chains? I don't. This man, they couldn't bind him. He was not bindable. Everything they tried to do to, to keep this man safe from himself or the citizens of the country, he broke the fetters. Uh, I think they were all fortunate. He decided to live in the tombs outside of the city where no one was around him. But there we find that he run around naked, screaming at all hours of the night, totally mad, cutting himself. I mean, the man was a mess. We find of the father who brought his son to the disciples and asked them to cast the demon out of his son. They couldn't do it. And so finally they get the boy in front of Jesus and he asked the man, do you believe I can do it? He said, I do, but help my unbelief. And the Lord cast the devil out. But one of the things I find interesting is what Jesus asked the man. He said, how long has he been like this? And the man told him, said, since a child. Does that bother anybody? Huh? I see some of you shaking your heads. You mean a devil can possess a child? He said it, I didn't, right? He said since he was a child, you say, reckon why that was in there. All right? Wake up, perk ears up, right? Why did Jesus ask him how long has this been going on? He said, since he was a child. And he began
began to explain to him. He said, sometimes he casts my boy into the fire. Other times he casts him into the water to drown him. Anybody disturbed about this information? I'm talking about your enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, let me heighten our awareness here. I am in no way the expert on this subject. But from what I understand, the video games that they have now for children to play are as close to dark demonica as it can be. What avenue do you think a devil would find entrance to into a child's body? I don't know what your children do. But you should. Because here is a fact. They went into a child and tried to kill it. How will they get into yours? What do you allow your children to watch? By the way, you might be a fan of these horror movies. That is not something I would brag about. That's demonic if I've ever heard or seen it. So it's just, no, that's of the devil. And every other R-rated movie, probably. Anyway, the devil can inhabit people. So I'm asking the question to myself about half of today. Do we have, do them people have to give him permission? Or is he invited by their unwillingness to reject him? I don't know again whether I've got a hard and fast rule unless somebody's got scripture on it. But I found it disturbing to me that I didn't know. How did he get in that child? What made him pick that one? What about that child made him vulnerable to the point that that a, a demon could even possess him? Anybody believe in praying over your children? Yes. Amen. I devise that. Because even though I don't have a hard and fast rule, I have information that indicates a demon can possess child or adult. And if a child ain't capable of protecting himself or herself from a demonic force, two things ought to be happening. Number one, parents ought to be praying over them children. And number two, they ought to be actively involved in their lives, making sure there are not demonic forces at work that give avenue for demons to possess them. Now, once you get to the adulthood, etc., 
it begins to get easier for the demon to access a human body, drugs are a gateway. Guaranteed. Alcohol is a gateway. All kinds of things that are of evil nature can be a door that is simply a means by which a human is possessed of a devil. Mark chapter number 9, I read this to you, or I quoted it, I'm just going to read it now. Mark chapter 9, verse number 20. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him straightway, the spirit tearing. I just want you to see the, the, the picture that's given to us by the writer here. When they brought him to the presence of Jesus, he kind of, whatever this demon was, it immediately recognized again he was in the presence of Jesus and he went wild. He just went wild in this child. Immediately he began to tear at the child. Fell on the ground. Wallowed around, foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe. Mm-hmm. Straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. The spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him and he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and he arose. What do we take from that? Well, I'm going to say it like this. It takes Jesus to cast him out. Now, I'll read to you here in a second where the, the disciples that had gone out Two by two, the 70 of them had been sent out and they come up and they were all excited because they had power over serpents and they had power over demons. But those were disciples or apostles. And I believe they were given that power. They were given that power. I mean, Apostle Paul could raise people from the dead. Anybody in here do that? I don't think that's because you lack the faith. I believe that's not a dispensation you've been given. It was given in during that day. Um, and I honestly, I'd like to know. It's not just because I want to be here, but I'd like anybody know anybody that's ever raised anybody from the dead. What about causing the blind to see? Wait, you see that on TV? The lame get healed. Or do they? I think we got enough evidence on that that it's not really real. Um, and I'm not sure exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that the last apostle living died with those powers and that the rest of us have to trust Jesus for it. But they were given that power that they might exercise as Jesus proof that they were 
of God so that those miraculous things might establish that early church based upon the power of God through miracle. But once that last apostle or disciple was dead, I think those particular gifts went with them. And you say, why? Because I don't see them today. Uh, I, I, do you? I mean, there's something to claim, but I, you know, I don't know, I don't believe them, and they, they can't really, uh, they can't really prove it out. So, what we come to is we find that Jesus is required to cast a demon out. I don't have the power to cast a demon out, but I know the one who can. Now, can we be involved in the exorcism of a demon from a from a soul? We can be. I don't have any doubt that God can't use one of His own to be a catalyst of that of that procedure. But make no mistake about it, I don't believe you have the power to do it. Why? Because they don't care about you. <laughs> right? You don't have power over them. They serve Satan, and, and the only one that, that has power over them other than Satan is God Himself. I was never given and have, I don't have power over the angelic. They don't have to do what I say. And so it would take God, it would take Christ to cast out a demon. Now, we've got to ask ourselves a question then. If a human can be possessed by a devil, and we obviously see they are, many, I believe, are possessed by demons. Can a saved person be possessed by a devil? See, some people saying, huh? Why can't they be possessed by a devil? They're already possessed. Right? So let me be clear. I am possessed. Somebody always wanted me to say that. <laughs> I am 100% possessed. I was bought with a price. I am not my own anymore. I sold out to God, lock, stock, and barrel. I ain't myself. I am His. Right? I'm already possessed. There ain't no room in this house. That's right. He filled it when he came in. Amen. And by the way, he's the strong man of the house that Jesus spoke about. And nobody gets into the strong man's house. I'm with you, brother. Thank God that I have this simple truth. Now, I read to you about Legion. I read to you about Mary Magdalene, Judas Iscariot, and then this boy. They're all lost. At least till Jesus cast them devils out. And one in particular, I know, well, all of them actually, except for Judas Iscariot, right? When they came back and found old Legion, where was he at? At the feet of Jesus. Well, he wasn't a wild man no more. They found him with clothes on, sitting at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. 
What happened to him? Well, he got born again. Yes, Mary Magdalene, you couldn't keep her away from him. Uh, she got saved. Now, Judas is scary. We know what happened to him. And I'd say this boy right here never stopped believing in Jesus Christ. I don't know. I think I've met people that were possessed. Uh, I don't know how she explained their behavior or their activities. And I believe that the enemy is subtle enough to act in a way as to not draw undue attention to himself as he did here. What this deaf and dumb spirit was doing to this child was drawing a lot of attention. And ultimately, it got him cast out of him. I have a question while you were talking. Could you consider like certain mental illnesses to be considered demons? Yeah. Absolutely mental illnesses. Yeah. Not all, obviously. Right? Because there are mental illnesses like dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that. That doesn't have anything to do with devil possession. But there are I am certain, I don't have any factual information, but I am certain that most insane asylums are likely people that have issues with possession. Now, there, there are chemical imbalances and there, there are biological things that can cause the human mind to break. Right? Those things happen. But there are also those circumstances like what we see here. Legion was a madman. He was absolutely off his rocker, wild. He was a madman. It shocked every one of them when they came back and saw him sitting there clothed mm -hmm. in his right mind. They were absolutely terrified that that happened to yep. him. It scared them so bad they told Jesus, leave, leave here. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe that personally. I don't have any... In a way to prove it factually, but but absolutely, I think it's the, I think it's the first thing that happens to the human is that the, the, the demonic breaks disappear because it's mad, right? I mean, if you can imagine, it, it's kind of like if you reverse it, and I don't know that this is this is totally the equal or, or a perfect analogy, but but you know what it feels like to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you can't help it you know you just don't know what to do with all that's coming through you and how it manifests itself in such an extraordinary way I mean it makes people stand up and preach and <coughs> alright now just take that to the polar opposite to where something manifests itself in such horrific and terrifying and, and mind-altering and disturbing and just, I mean, you just take it to the farthest end of that and there's only so much of that the human mind can endure. We actually faced a battle uh, with Sophie. Um, it's been, what, maybe a year ago? Not even a year ago? To where I seriously had to pray about whether she, whether the devil was trying to possess her. She is a, a child who has loved church, 
wants to sing in church, wants to be a part of church, has been in very spiritual services. I mean, the kind of services like you're talking about where the spirit moves strong enough that people just jump, and it has never bothered her. And she went to church one night with Ashley and her dad at her dad's church, and it got spiritual, and she ran. Like, turned pale, run to the back, shut herself in a corner, and was saying, get me out of here, get me out of here, get me out of here. And then took off, after Ashley tried to stop her, took off out of the church, and they had to catch her running. And then she calls me, and I talk to her on the phone, and I calm her down, and I try to talk to her, and she said, Daddy, I was just scared. I don't know why, but I was just scared. So it never happened again. And then we had a spiritual service at church one night, and she done the same thing. But she buckled down in the pew and was just, I'm scared. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. And, and, and just out of nowhere. And I didn't know anything else to do besides get a hold of her and let her cry on the altar and pray over her. And she has never done that since. And so I, you know, I can't say, yes, my daughter was possessed by a devil, but I can say there was something trying to take a hold of her because it was a complete polar opposite of what she is. And when we prayed over her, she, I mean, she was crying like a baby, didn't want to be up there. But I held when on When you would go to pray for her at my dad's She church, would pull away from me. She would back up and run on her, like me, I'm her mom. She would, like, and look at almost you, like, like spider crawl backwards. It was and, the scariest uh, thing I've ever seen. So I held her, I held her down on the altar and we prayed over her. And she hasn't done it since. I'll tell anybody. I can't say that it was, yes, I don't but I cannot say that it wasn't because it was a polar opposite. It was completely opposite of who she is. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and the point of this is, is it's real. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not. I don't. I don't know, but it's real. That's what we know about this. Mm-hmm. A lot of don't know because this is the invisible part of that spiritual warfare. These are the things that we can't really see until they manifest themselves in unusual ways that are that are dark or disturbing. And and so you just need spiritual discernment and things like that. Um, I've actually been around people that I felt extremely uncomfortable with when I first looked at them. Mm-hmm. And I... I don't know how to prove it, right? Because I didn't cast no demon out of him. But there was something wrong. And my spirit knew it. My, my spirit was disturbed with it. Um, the, the point of this has been, is that the devil will inhabit people if he can. He will inhabit people if he can. And I believe that his methodologies are more subtle today so that he inhabits them without them really knowing. I mean, right before Scott got saved, um, I remember uh, that, you know, he would be laying in bed and the Lord would tell me to touch him and pray over him. And whatever part I touched on him would jerk and sleep. And I'm a fearful person. And I remember one night, I, I, was, I was trying to talk to him, and he was basically denying God. And, and I was looking at his eyes, and it wasn't God I was looking at anymore. But I loved him enough 
that I don't want to call and say and pray to this year. I have to win it. Yeah. I have to try to help, you know, do whatever. I couldn't win it, but not hinder the Lord in, in winning yeah. it. Right. And I looked in his eye that night, and I told him, I said, I don't even see you anymore. I said, I'll see the devil. I said, but let me care for this. I'm going to fight for him. Yeah. <laughs> and the night that he got saved, I heard him say when he was praying, he said, Lord, you know the devil has been in control of me. He said, I have been him. I have been him myself. And then he, you know, we talked after he got saved that night. Thank the Lord. Yeah. But I had never experienced anything like that. But the atmosphere in our house during that time. I, I walked in my living room one time with Spring Bloody Murder. And I had only seen my own reflection in a mirror. But that was the atmosphere in my house. Yeah. It was that dark. wicked and dark and evil. Cameron, I mean, Cameron came barreling out of his bedroom one night. He had tried to get out. And there was clothes hanging on. He was 10 years old. And when he couldn't open that door, he, he, he lost it. And I go in there trying to get him. And he literally, me and him, come rolling down the hall. He was fighting me because he didn't even know who I was. It was so terrible in our house during that time. I know what you're saying can happen. Mm-hmm. And it's awful. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. It's real. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. I know what you're going to say, Jerry. I'm, I'm trying not to say mine, right? I've got experiences, too. I heard one preacher say that them hogs swim around the backside of that aisle and come back and said, you've got to be baptized. Yeah, that's not in the Bible, so we'll <laughs> leave that alone. <laughs> I was, whenever he brought this part up, uh, my mind immediately went to thinking about uh, the empty house. Uh-huh. And it, if you're if you go to Matthew twelve and then forty five it said then go with thee and take it well hang on a minute, let me back up forty four. Then he said that I will return into my house from which I came out, and when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then he go or then go with thee and take it with himself seven of the spirits more wicked than himself and they enter in and dwell there and the last state of the man is worse than the first mm-hmm. yeah. that's, that's immediately where, where my mind went because I was thinking and and about that person being lost I was saved when I was 11 but at 13 I got out of the wheel I tried going back to church, back and forth, back and forth for quite some time. But it got to the point to where, man, it's almost, I mean, it's like you can't even hear God speak. You get so far. The word that, that everything you, just like what the scripture teaches, I was a saved person, but I got so far away from God that that I can't hear God before. Mm-hmm. That I know he, he done a lot of things for me looking back at how I live my life. Every ungodly thing you could think of, I've done it. Or things that I swore upon. I'm not saying I was possessed or nothing like that in any way. But I know that that I had, I wanted nothing to do with God, and even said that I'll never 
go back to go back to Dollar, go back to Doc's house. Well, the prodigal did too, but he came home. Yeah. And, and so that's why we're saying that the, the only real safeguard to make sure that you don't get possessed by a devil is to get born again. If you want to be sure that a devil don't house your body, you better get saved. <coughs> now, there's all kinds of other things that we can do, right? Pray through your house. Pray over your children. Watch what comes in. Make sure it's not of the enemy, right? Pay attention. Be discerning. When you see something come in your house, don't look the other way. Look at it until you understand whether this could be of a dark or demonic spirit and get rid of it if it is, right? That's how you deal with it, is you get rid of it. And I believe prayer has a great deal to do with that. We do have certain powers. I haven't got to that part yet. We're getting there, right? We're, we're getting there. What we can do against the devil, but what we do know is it takes Jesus to do it. But now he lives in us, right? And that's what the Bible teaches us is that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And that is specifically speaking to the flesh and the devil, right? It's, it's speaking to that element that is not spiritual. He that is in me is spiritual, and he is greater than he that's in the world. Now... What we know about demons is that they believe in God and they tremble. Right? So just because you say, I believe in God, don't make you no better than the devil. Because they also believe in God and they fear Him. So, again, you've got to be born again. You don't, you, just having a head knowledge of who Christ is or who God is or who the Creator is or the man upstairs or whatever people want to call him, that won't do you. Right. You have to be saved. Amen. But if you ever get born again, there's one that comes in you that said, I'll never leave you. Right. Amen. And as long as he's in there, there ain't no devil living in that. That's right. Now that's assurance. Amen. I don't know about you, Dad. I love the hound out of that part right there. I may be bothered by devils. I may be tempted by devils. Mm -hmm. And I may entertain devils in my walk. Mm -hmm. But I will never be possessed by one. Amen. Now, through Christ, I believe we absolutely can be a part of seeing that devils get out. Okay, Lisa was talking about it. I've got experiences of my own. I'm not going to run that tra uh, trail, but what I want you to see is that the lost don't have no power over them. A saved person does, and we've done talked about why they do. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And if the Holy Ghost lives inside of you, you've got power over the demonic. Right, right. Because he is all powerful. And they fear and tremble at his voice. And in Jesus' name, there is power. But let me read you a story about some lost fellers that thought they'd exercise one out of some mm -hmm. Acts chapter number 19. Acts chapter number 19, verse number 13. 
Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them. Now there were seven of them. The one man leaped into the whole pile of them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. So what happens? Well, these lost people claimed themselves to be exorcists, and they found a fellow that was possessed by a devil. And when they went to him, they said, We adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preacheth, that you come out of there. And the demon spoke back and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but I don't know you, which meant they weren't saved. And had one wild possessed man jumped on them seven and woke them bad until they ran out the house naked and wounded. Now, there's something to be took from that. If you're born again, the devil knows you. If you've been born again, the devil knows you. He said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I believe the devil knows those that are his. He knows who he can, who he can't possess. And when this lost person, these lost men, tried to cast out one devil out of one man, they found out that's a bad idea. Because apart from Jesus, they didn't have the power to do it. The devils will inhabit humans. I hope we get this part. Right? Because we have work to do as parents and grandparents. We need to be extra diligent that we are looking for the demonic coming into our house, coming into our children's lives, our grandchildren's lives, and we need to be absolutely determined to get it out. You open up that door and they can be possessed. I read it to you. Okay? All right. Well, now maybe we'll know there's one more scripture I need to share. James chapter number 1. I'm going to read that one. I'll mark that one to read it. James chapter number 1. I've quoted this one a couple of times already this week. But I believe it's important for us to remember this doctrinal truth. James chapter number 1. 
Verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved breath. Do not err. Our enemy is a tempter. We cannot say the devil made me do it. The only thing the devil will do is tempt you with it. You ultimately are the one that will be drawn away of your own lust. If the deed is done, it will be because you wanted to do it. Not because he had power over you or could make you do anything. Sin is not the devil's fault. It's mine. And I have to give an account for it. I cannot use the devil as an excuse. We have to make certain that we understand this. For us to be right with God, we're just going to have to repent of our sin. Not something we believe the devil made us do. Alright. Now, we're going to shift gears as we talk about what God has given to us as the Christian. And what our duty is concerning the enemy and the devil. Alright. What is the Christian to do? Now... Uh, if, if you're disturbed about the world that we live in and the fact that all of the, the devil and his demons were cast to earth and, and we're living on it, right? We're, we're here with them. And the majority of the people in the world are all going to hell. According to God, broad is the way and wide is the gate that leads to destruction and many can go in there at. Right? So there you go. The majority of people are going to hell. That's, that's how it is. What are we to do? What what are we to do in such a demonic, filled, infested world? What are we to do? And before I start with with what I believe are the uh, the six key things that we have as defense and weaponry. I want to say that if you go into the book of Thessalonians, um, somebody turn to the Thessalonians, I believe it's 2 Thessalonians, I might have to find it. There is a reference in 2 Thessalonians concerning the day of the Lord. Verse number 6, chapter 2, verse number 6. And now ye know with what and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Now he's writing back to them explaining the day of the Lord and the coming of the tribulation and the Antichrist and all of those things. And he's, he's explaining that to them so they would calm down. They thought they had missed the rapture. Verse number 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. 
Do you know the only thing keeping this world from being absolutely chaos is the Holy Spirit. And when the rapture occurs, guess who leaves? The Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what Paul's telling them right here. My point in sharing this scripture with you is that one of the things we have going for us pre-rapture is that the Holy Ghost is making the devil stay down. Mm-hmm. He's not free to do as he will. That day is coming. Mm-hmm. But right now, he's under kind of a lid. And he can only do what he's allowed. Right? He can only go so far with what he's doing. But but there's a dreadful day coming called the tribulation when when he will do all he wants. Right? And it feels like he's there now, but he's not. Because the Holy Spirit is still with us. It's still managing that chaos. We need to be grateful that we're not going to be in that day. I can't imagine living in a world absent of the only thing that really is good. Because right? remember, you ain't. Right. It's Him in you that makes any good. Imagine a world without any influence of the Holy Spirit. I can't imagine it actually. I just can't. The horror, the terror, the absolute evil that has no restrictions, no limits, no law. That's coming. Alright. So we're grateful that the Holy Spirit should ultimately that is that is the source of the power that abides within us. And so let's look at what God's give us. Uh, we got eight minutes. We'll cover one or two. Number one. James chapter number four, verses seven and eight. What is the Christian to do in the day that we live in with such demonic power about us and at work? What are we to do? Number one. Submit yourself completely to God. James chapter number 4, verse number 7 and 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Anybody happy about that? But how did that verse start? What must we We must submit ourselves to God. You know what submit means, Billy Heron? It means not your will, His. Not what you want to do, His way. To submit yourself completely to God is to say whatever you want, that's what I do. Whatever you say, that's what I'll do. Whichever way you say go, that's the way I go. Completely submit yourself unto God. Then, then, here's what you can do. 
Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So, is it saying to us that holy living and an attempt to be right before God every day, does that truly give us power to resist the devil and be assured that he will leave us alone? That's what it said. It said, you submit yourself to God. And here's what I'll tell you will happen. You can resist the devil then. And he has to leave. Verse 8. Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Now he goes back to a, a clean life. Right? Now he's going back to holiness. Godly living. He said, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Listen, if you want to effectively fight against the devil, number one, you're going to have to surrender 100% to God. And that means you do it His way, not your way. That's right. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, you double-minded. Purify your hearts. Get right with God and walk right. Now, I'm not saying any of us can absolutely get it right every day. We know we can't. We fall short. We miss the mark. We get that. But those are excuses if you use them. We have no excuse not to be right. He said, He said, Be ye holy, for I am holy. I live in you and I expect you to live as I, which is holy. Submit yourself therefore to God. Then resist the devil. And he said, here's what I promise you. Believe you. Right now, damn. That's handy. That's pretty slick, right? Just like, just like pulling out and you know, go to a knife fight, you got a gun. Huh? I mean, that's what I want when the devil's around. I want that for sure thing that's going to work. But if you live in my hell and you compromise every day of your life, and you running around with his people and doing all the things he's doing, you think for a minute that you've got any power against the devil, you're wrong. What James is saying is if you'll get right with God and walk right, I mean with all your heart, do everything you can to be upright before God. He said, here's what God's promising you. Then you can resist the devil and he will leave you. today that part of the problem with the church is that they're not hungry. And the reason they can't keep the devil from turning their lives upside down is because they won't live right. They compromise at every corner so that they get to do what they want to do. That don't work. This don't work in that application. It never will. If you're trying to play both sides of the fence, you might as well mark it off. You're going down. You're not going to succeed. You will not 
You will not defeat the enemy in that kind of lifestyle. Apart from holiness, we lose the power. Now, anybody interpret that scripture another way? If you want to resist the devil and know that he'll leave you, you better submit yourself to God. You better draw nigh to God and let God draw nigh to you. And then I can assure you of this. The devil ain't got no power in your life. That's right. Ain't nothing to do. Because if you're living the way that God said to live, you can be assured the devil has no way to turn your life upside down. All right, 8.29, we'll stop right there. We've got seven more of those to go, and then we'll finish with what happens to the devil in the end, and that'll close us up tomorrow night, and we'll finish this lesson. May I share something before we go? Yeah. I was sitting here and listening, and um, I have a 7-year-old little girl, and her and my son had a time where they had trouble with nightmares. You know, not really because of anything they were seeing. They just had trouble with nightmares. So we started doing this thing called a power prayer because I tried to remind them they have power to overcome those things. So for the last couple weeks, I sat with my daughter and as she's been praying, the word she is saying is, um, devil, I know who Jesus is and I know that you don't even have to see him, but when I speak his name, you and your demons tremble. And that has been her prayer. For the last two or three weeks. Um, and there's, just to be honest, sometimes I need to sit there with a notebook and take some notes from her. Because yeah. um, my kids are my motivation. Yeah. And to hear her say those things, sometimes it's a good reminder for me. That's coming from a seven-year-old little girl. Just from things that she's learned and things that she's picked up. So sometimes... Uh, as parents, we also need to listen a little closer because we can learn something. Amen. And there, there is absolutely nothing wrong with equipping your children with the power of prayer. Right. We haven't got to that one yet, but that's in there. <laughs> right? That's one of the things that we have that the devil can't deal with. Right? Because when I pray, I ain't talking to him. I'm talking to the one that controls him. Amen. And that's powerful. That's powerful. Amen. Someone else? All right. Hopefully this is enlightening material for all of us and we'll take it serious. And defeat him. Right? He has no power of victory in our lives. If, if we're defeated, it's because we didn't do it God's way. And we'll jump back into that tomorrow night on how to do it God's way. <coughs> all right. Somebody else? All right, we'll dismiss in prayer. While we go before us, we don't really know, we can't see our enemy most of the time, but how we pray that you'd protect us, that that hedge of protection is always there, we humbly ask it. We recognize the importance of you being real in us and us living real for you. And then in that relationship, there is power that the devil cannot get around. So I pray that you would help us. Help us to take what we've learned and heard tonight and to be careful, Father, to, to...
to allow it to stick in our hearts as clear warnings and reminders of the depravity of our enemy, how he truly wants to steal and kill and destroy everything in our lives. It was to live, Father, as you've called us to live, that we might have that power and that we might bring honor to you and also help others. Guide us. Bring us again tomorrow, if it be your will. We trust you in this as we love you for it all. We ask it in Jesus' name.